is a very good afternoon. It's Niall boiling with you for the next hour or so. And today's topic is a little bit sensitive. Uh, for those who've suffered from depression, I'm sure you will have a very good understanding of what we're going to be talking about today. Don't forget, at any stage, if you want to join in the conversation, you can. All you got to do is WhatsApp or text on 85 55 That's 85 55 I think the happy New Year's are over. I think officially the day after New Year's Day, you're supposed to stop saying it, although people will probably keep saying it for four or five days anyway. But Happy New Year, if you missed us yesterday, Happy New Year to everybody, by the way. And I hope you had a nice New Year's celebration and a nice Christmas. But it's back to the grindstone and back to real life again. We did get one person complaining, by the way, uh, yesterday, because we had mentioned that the OECD had said that Ireland had no excess debts during the peak COVID period. Um, I don't know what you're complaining about. Are you complaining about facts, statistics? Because that's what they are. In other words, all those stories that were in the paper at the time that said Ireland had massive excess debts in 2021 uh, during the peak of COVID were actually inaccurate. We didn't actually have massive in excess debts because according to the OECD and the official figures, we had less debts than the average amount of debts uh, on that particular year. We had less debts during COVID, actually, than we've had in previous years before that, which just goes to show that the majority of people that did die with COVID died of other underlying problems as well, i.e. heart attacks, cancers, or whatever it happened to be, or indeed just old age. And as you know, when people die in the latter years of their lives, they usually die of a complication like a respiratory virus or a cancer, or they can die with Alzheimer's or whatever it happens to be, organ failure, all those kind of things happen as we get old. The one thing that we are sure in life about is that you will be taxed and you will get old and you will die at some point. That is life. Um, sadly, many people died with COVID. One or two people, when I say one or two, that's an exaggeration, obviously. A lot of people did die of COVID-19, just like a lot of people die every year from other respiratory viruses like the flu and other colds and stuff like that as well. Because unfortunately, some people's immune systems at a certain point in their life are not as good as they used to be. It was a sad time for a lot of people who lost loved ones, but it was equally a sad time for a lot of people who lost their jobs, their livelihoods and everything because of the excessive lockdowns, which now were unnecessary. And by the admission of Leo Varadkar himself, he even said the last lockdown was probably unnecessary. I think most of the lockdowns were unnecessary. I think we had the data from very early on and we should have afforded more time to protecting the real vulnerable, which were the elderly people who were moved into nursing homes and sadly died because COVID-19 did spread inside nursing homes. We should look back at it and we should have a full COVID inquiry to find out the mistakes we made so we don't ever make those same mistakes again. And we don't go on the way we did. I mean, if we were to listen to RTE News and the Grim Reaper every single night, we would be up there opinion that thousands and thousands of people were dying unnecessarily, which wasn't the case at all, it seems, according to the OECD. Anyway, we will get to that topic again. Many people want us to talk about it, but first I want to deal with an email that I got. And I think it's something that affects a lot of people, and that's why I wanted to do this email. Um, Dear Niall, I find myself grappling with a deeply uncomfortable situation, and I'm unsure on how to proceed with this. Having been married for a decade with a five-year-old son and still in my early 40s, I'm reaching out for advice. When I first married my husband, he was vibrant and humorous, a great individual, the life and soul of the party, and driven in his own business. We experienced immense happiness during those initial years. However, over the past year, my husband has succumbed to depression, with the last five months proving particularly challenging. His demeanor has become negative, and he spends his entire days in bed watching TV. We even skipped our annual holiday last year as he felt unable to pretend everything was okay. Both of us work, but recently his contribution has diminished, leaving me to shoulder all the financial responsibilities while family members care for our son. 
Our once vibrant intimacy has completely vanished and, I constant, uh, and constant negative tense arguments over per- perceived wrongs that I've done, creating a, per- a pervasive sense of walking on eggshells. I've exhausted various avenues, accompanying him to doctors and therapists, but there has been no improvement. The home is now filled with tension and negativity, affecting not only me, but our son as well, who mourns the loss of his previously joyful father. Despite a lack of apparent triggers and our prior fortunate circumstances, mounting bills and mortgage arrears have become pressures, uh, uh, pressing issues due to his reduced work commitment. Conversations with family and friends evoke sympathy for him, but my own well-being seemingly overlooked and ignored. There's a sense of duty to stand by him, but the toll on my mental health is now becoming unbearable. I've confided in loved ones and their judgment for even contemplating leaving adds to my distress, yet I feel a compelling need to seek happiness elsewhere with someone who values and uplifts me. Witnessing a friend endure a similar situation for years only to have her life unravel adds to my sense of urgency. Should I establish a departure date and take a step of leaving as I feel trapped in a home where the happiness has faded, your guidance would be really invaluable. Now, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a professional to give you advice. And our audience and our listeners can only come on and tell you their own personal experiences and what they think would be the right thing to do in these circumstances. But certainly that isn't advice that you should take too seriously. You should speak to your own therapist, your own doctors and everybody else. But in saying that, I think it's a very common problem. People living with somebody who suffers with deep depression. She talks about, you know, this negative feeling in the home, this walking on eggshells, arguments over perceived wrongs, um, their their intimacy diminished. She's shouldering the financial burden uh, because he's now not in work anymore uh, or refuses to go to work and spends his day in bed with, you know, the television on. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people who have been in that situation, but what do you do? I mean, you get married to somebody, it's sickness and in health. Allegedly, you're supposed to stand by them. That's your duty, isn't it, as a husband or a wife, for that matter. But what do you do in that situation? And what advice would you give this person if it was your sister, your brother, your wife, or not your wife, obviously, your sister, your brother, your friend, what advice would you give them? Let us know. The number, as usual, 85 85 Let me go to John if I can first. John, hi, how are you doing? Hi, how are you, Scott? Uh, John, it's a difficult situation, isn't it? It is a difficult situation um, because what can happen right, with one person going through depression, it can seriously rub off and the other, and you can actually become what's called an emotional vampire where you drain the life out of the other person. The life has already been drained out of you, the person going through the depression, and then it impinges on the other person, right? Because what goes around, I mean, affects the other person as well in, the, in their relationship, whether it be the husband or the wife. Now, obviously, if you said she has went to the doctor with him, no, I don't know what kind of medication he's on. If the medication he's on is not working, you should go back to the doctor because look, not, what frightens a lot of people is that they don't want to go on medication. They think they're going to get hooked in it. Well, like a lot of the stuff that's out there, no, you won't get hooked in it, like the modern stuff that's out there, no, for depression. And we, it will get you over the hump. No, but it does. But do it that. does. Modern medication, even though 
it is a lot better than it was many, many years ago uh, because they've refined mm. it a lot better to deal with the chemicals in the brain, the serotonins and everything else. Yeah, it, yeah. it still does have its side effects and its drawbacks. And and it's still, you know, well, and, and I wouldn't advise anyone to ever go off and immediately you should always talk to your doctor before going off and reducing yeah, your, yeah, your dosage yeah. because, you know, it, it can become addictive because you, you become dependent on it for a normal life. You can, but I mean, a chat with your doctor, like you mean, could maybe start, I don't know, maybe the person needs to go for this uh, CBT, like uh, cognitive behavioral therapy, which means basically this talk therapy, right? But again, if you've got, has he got any close friends, real close friends that she could confide in? Do the people outside of the family know about this? Are they keeping it tight within the family unit? Because, you know, with mental health now, you know, there's still stigma out there with it. And of course. People do kind of hide it. And, 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 and I'm conscious of that when we're talking about it, but I'm also, we have to be fair to her too. It is difficult of for course. somebody who's living with somebody who's, you know, she describes that kind of negative atmosphere in the home. And that well, must I be can, very I difficult can, for her too. I can understand it because, uh, I mean, long-term relationship I had, I lost it over something like this because I didn't take a decision with an aged person that uh, came that one in the town and my lady friend at the other end of the town and the back and forth and the stress and the relationship and the worry and the tension and the whole lot eventually, like, uh, because... I didn't take a decision to sell the house my mother was in, like, I mean, and bring this thing all under one roof, rather be racing all over Cox City from one end to the next. Basically, she got fed up of it. They said, this is how it can impinge on the other partner. And she said she wanted time away on her own for a while. And the time away went from a couple of weeks to a couple of months, and 12 months after, she got married to another guy. So, I mean, the thing is, you have to be very careful how you handle the situation, because... Walking away from it in the first place isn't the answer because like, you could really seriously down along the line say, my God, maybe I should have stuck with it for another while, especially when there's a kid involved as well. And it's only six months or whatever. So I would possibly, if I could at all, try and salvage it some way because again, as I said, I lost my relationship over it because like, I mean, my partner, she got seriously fed up and down on herself and she wasn't that kind of a person. So it did rebound. So, so if you could go back in time, you would change what you did at that particular time. Oh, Jesus. Yes, big time, big yeah. time. Big so, well, do me a favor, John. Stay there for a second. Let me go to Bernie as well. Bernie, hi, how are you? I'm Brand, how are you, Niall? Mental health is something that's very difficult to talk about because we have to have an understanding and empathy for the person who's struggling with the mental health, but we also have to have understanding for the person who's living with it as well, which is quite difficult for them too. Okay, well, I lived with a person who was severely depressed for 35 years, and I have to say that it was like everything she described there. I did my best in every aspect I could, and eventually I had to let the person go because they became suicidal. And all my protection and trying to, you know, cover the bills took a huge toll mm-hmm. on both of us. And I couldn't, I'm a human being, I couldn't stand, I couldn't continue. And when I retired in, in, in 10 years ago, I decided that I would do my best and, you know, wouldn't get out of bed for lunchtime. This was going on for years. And, you know, I was trying to live with the kids and try to do everything, grandchildren. And I just got so tired of it. I just decided I'd try and find something for myself to do. So I started to try and build a little bit of a space for myself. And the person went and got worse and decided one day they were going to kind of commit suicide, which I thankfully was able to to stop and get help. And when I got the help in that he was admitted into the acute psychiatric services, I was told to leave him there for 10 days. Then he screamed and roaring. He was terrified. But eventually he got into respite 
in a unit, in a, a life-saving unit, I have to say here, the mm. and they took him in and they gradually got him to Cognizant to be able to talk. And um, he eventually, after a year of coming, he came home and went to the treatment uh, three days a week, in and out. Uh, they provided a, a bus service. I brought him out initially and then he was able to be stronger to go on the bus. And eventually after that, he decided himself that he wanted to have no more in the marriage, mm-hmm. which left me devastated and with all the bills and everything of a life left. And it continued that way for five years. And unfortunately, then he passed away. But we became good friends at the end and we were able to live with it. And, and it was heartbreaking. I, and I was, was going to say, because we all only have one life, don't we? You know what I mean? And, yeah. and we have a duty to protect that as well. And we've a duty to our own happiness. Now, I'm not saying you abandon somebody in their hour of need immediately, but you, we, no, have, we have a duty, you know? And, and now, like, I have grown as a person myself, and he grew as a person himself. And we became really, he was always my best friend, but I couldn't help him. He had to go on his own journey. And like he, he went so far into the pits of depression that I couldn't, I couldn't rescue him. I tried everything. Mm. Every part of my being wanted to save him, not to have him, you know, not see any good in anything, not see good in our children, not see good in life. I tried everything to bring him for a spin, you know, to go to the beach, bring him for coffee, you know, go try and drag him away for a night, you know, try and get to the root of it. And I, I couldn't, you're part of, you have to protect yourself. Because but you but, but you did but you did before. stick with it for thirty years. I mean, for that whole thirty years, was it like that? No, sometimes he was great. He mastered in the beginning. It took me twelve years to unravel it. Right. I didn't know what was wrong with him. It took me the first. And, and, years and can you associate what she's talking about? Like I, the interesting point there, she says, "Where was it?" Uh, <clears throat> let me see. I'm looking for the bit there that she she talks about. Oh yeah, are constantly na- I constantly navigate tense arguments over perceived wrongs, creating a perva- pervasive sense of walking on eggshells. In other words, he was picking yeah. on her. He's picking on her. In other words, he's creating yeah. arguments that don't exist over something she's allegedly done wrong, and it could be the tiniest little thing, and she feels she's walking on eggshells. I mean, yeah, you, no, you no, can't no, live no, your no. life like that. You yeah. just can't. No, 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 you can't. I mean, don't get me wrong. I have tried. And, and you know, I failed. I mean, maybe people will talk and say, oh, she's that one fails miserably. She's all tall. I'm not. I'm telling you, it broke me. It broke my soul. It broke my heart. It broke every part of me. I, I, you know, and I have to rebuild. I had to rebuild my relationship with my children. I had to build my relationship with all my family because I was hiding the fact, you know, he didn't want to go anywhere. I hid it from his family. And eventually, one of his brothers said, I don't know how you did this. Thank you for doing this for my brother. Mm. And, you know, I wasn't no, looking for, for, yeah, for sorry, anything. But, sorry, John, go yeah. ahead, yeah. Yeah, look, I mean, fair juice to this lady. I mean, I think just nobody could uh, could say that she didn't do her best and she probably went overboard on it and probably maybe stayed too long. So the point I'm making, like what, what happened in my own situation is that my partner, like I mean, took a decision for herself, like this lady eventually had to do. Sometimes, I mean, if the person won't get help, if it goes on, like, like Tom Jones has, has a song out there called Crumble, and it says, I'll do anything for you, but I won't crumble with you. Because if the two go down, then there's two lives destroyed. And if it comes to the stage, like I mean, where the person's not responding or just so deep into it, there come a time then where you have to assess the situation. I think if you're, as you just said there now, we only have one life, you know, and like the other partner deserves to be happy as well, which my partner now is, you know what I mean? So she took a decision that suited her. And I, I know it was traumatic for her to do it at the time, to walk away from what we were, 
But like like this lady, like she had to rebuild her life. Sometimes you just basically have to do that. Okay, we'll, we'll stay with me for a second as well. And Bernie, please stay with me as well. Thank you, John. Let me go to Sandy as well, if I can. Sandy, hi, how are you? Hi, good morning. How are you? Um, or good afternoon. Um, I just wanted to say that uh, there is um, uh, there's a, a, a tech um, a tech system that you uh, for anyone that is depressed, you send a, a, a word hello to. Is it, I have it down and on the. Screen I'll, I'll give out the numbers before the end of the show to, to different places yeah. people can contact, anyway, like Piedra yeah, House yeah. and and Samarathons, etc. Yeah. 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 Or, or indeed, women's, women's aid or men's aid or whichever one uh, you know would exactly. be suitable. Yeah, yeah, but but men in general um, don't like um, people to know that they are depressed because they, they uh, want people to think that they're are so headstrong. And but let me tell you, there is nothing to be ashamed of. Everybody in this world has something wrong with them. There is no perfect person in this bloody world. Like my son now, um, I know it's completely different. He's 30 now, but he suffers with depression. And by Jesus, there were times when he wanted um, to kill himself. He did self-harm. But if it was my partner, I got my son all the counsel in the world. I, I did it. And, you know, thank God he has it under control. There's never such a thing as being cured. But if I had a partner that had it, there's only so much you can do, but because it's mental abuse, I'd literally have to walk away. I'd have to. You'd have to. You'd have to walk away. So what do you think? Well, okay. So what do you think she should do? She's a year in this situation. Well, she said the last six months yeah. have been very challenging. So obviously, the last six months have been worse. She's tried to help him. She's gone to a doctor, gone to a yeah. psychotherapist with him. She feels like that she's walking on eggshells in the house constantly all the time. You know, yeah. the intimacy has gone out of the relationship. Her claim is, look, I'm still young. I could find happiness somewhere else. You know, does I, she, I have, but does she have a duty to stay with him? She doesn't have a duty to, to stay with him because, as I said, it's mental abuse. Like, there's only so much she can do. He has to put his hands up and say, look, I do need the help. Will you please help me? If he's not with Well, I think he has because she's gone to doctors with him. So he admits he has a problem, obviously, because he's gone, yeah. you know, she's gone to doctors and psychotherapists with him. But it's just not getting any better. It's not getting any better. Well, the only thing she can do is um, say to him, look, do you want to go away for a while, um, you know, to the Peter house or whatever, you know, psychiatric places. It's not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. Because I've rang them up many a time and I said, please, could you sign me in for a week? I've went through shit myself. Mm. I've, I've went through it. I'm not going to go into the whole rigmarole because you've a whole pile of uh, callers. But well, I, you know, yeah, that feeling of not wanting to get up in the morning and not wanting to exactly. face the day every day. And and, and that must yeah, be difficult. Okay. And, and sorry, Bernie, if I could just ask you, but your husband, who's, who I know has now passed away, but, you know, when you were married to him for that 30 years, were you tempted earlier in that relationship when he was going through the depression to, to walk away? Were you tempted to walk away? I, I was. Um, you know, there was all the thing about lack of, you know, dignity. He didn't want to wash himself. He didn't want to do anything. He wanted to he, he stay in the same clothes week in, week out. Mm. You know, and then this and I had four small children and trying to cover that up and work and do night duty and whatever shifts you could do to keep the the family together. And you go home to this chair where he'd sit and he'd say, you know, I need cigarettes and you know, that was it. That's all he could do. And I didn't I didn't I thought that was marriage. I thought this was my parents telling me this is what life's really like. So I assumed in my innocence that this was what it's about. And not realising mm-hmm. until I sat and took my step together at 35 years of age and went, I don't think this is normal. 
Yeah. And then began to look at other people and realize that this was not normal. No, this is not, what, know, this uh, is not what happiness is about. And, and there's always that thing you think to yourself, you know, I only live to the age of 80, max 82, 83, whatever the average age of the human being living is, generally speaking. You know, and I only get one shot at it. I, I need to enjoy it as well. Yeah, and like, Niall, I, I mean, I won't say, I mean, I have to say there's a fantastic service here in the west of Ireland that I was lucky as God got to, which is called the Connemara Shelter Housing. And it is a centre for people who have mental health issues. Mm. And they have a day centre and they have a week a, a res, re, residential unit where they can stay for short term and try and get, you know, under the care of and guidance of the team that are out there. And he got into that service, thankfully, and they set him up with an apartment and they got him back to living a kind of a life that he could an do. An independent life, himself. yeah. Okay, yeah. Well, do me a favour, stay Bernie and Sandy, please stay with me. I want to come to Derek, but I've got to take this quick seven second break. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Podcast. Live, live every day. And available for download from all your usual platforms. All right, let me go to uh, Derek Byrne. Derek joins us. And uh, Derek is a spokesperson and advocate and gay rights advocate as well. And a journalist and academic. God, he's got a good title. Uh, Derek, <laughs> <laughs> how are you, Derek? I'm good, Noel. Happy New Year. Happy Love New Year. You. Happy New Year to you too, Derek. Derek, I mean, it's a very difficult situation when you're living with somebody who is <laughs> clinically depressed, possibly in this particular yeah. case, and there's a negative atmosphere. She's walking on eggshells. She's more or less grieving the loss of the happy husband she married. And now she feels, I'm, you know, I'm in my early 40s. I'm young. I'm vibrant. I'm now being dragged into this negative world and I feel depressed myself. I should get out of it. I understand how she feels, but is it the right way to feel? I think, well, I think, you know, to be careful, you know, we don't know whether he's clinically depressed or not for a whole wide range of reasons. And if somebody, you know, has been, has been reasonably, you know, fine, and then, and then suddenly there's a change, there's usually a, usually a reason for mm. that change. I think also uh, we're not very well prepared for dealing with um, mental health issues in this country. It's something we tend to hide first and only kind of want to deal with it when it gets to a point where it's, it's out of control or we, we can't live with it. What was interesting from listening to one of your other callers there was the success once the man got into a service. And I think, you know, if we looked for help earlier, it might, um, it might be a different situation. Mm. I, um, you know, I, I find it uh, odd that the person writing this talking about leaving and wanting to leave. Um, and I can understand how difficult it's it kind of a knee-jerk reaction, isn't it? That. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of a knee-jerk reaction. Somebody, you know, she's in crisis too. So yeah. um, usually, I mean, I, w I would think about, you know, for example, I, I work in the field of addiction as well. And one of the things we would say is, that you, you can't work with an addict in isolation, you have to work with your whole family. I think it's a situation of, you know, she says, I took him to doctors, I took him to... That the issue is, is concerning the entire family. Mm. Um, and, uh, and so seeking help for everyone is, is key, but help, professional help, is, is the key to this situation, I would say. Well, I, I'm, I'm, putting her, I'm putting myself in her situation, and I can't imagine what that would be like, where... She's not only shouldering all the emotional uh, stress and tension in the home, she's shouldering mm. the financial stress now as well, whereby he's obviously got his own business. She talks about him being self-employed. And, you know, he's now not going to work. So there's money is not coming in. Where before they were happy, they were going on holidays, they paid their mortgage, they paid their bills. 
now all those problems, those financial problems are coming in as well because he's not playing his role. And I understand why he's not doing that because it's very difficult to work when you're suffering from a deep depression like that. But, you know, that that still doesn't negate the way she feels. And we ha- and it's, she's equally as important in this story as he is. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, what is your relationship only worth something when, you know, when the bills are being paid and the person's going out to work? And, you know, marriage is a bigger issue um, than that. And, um, and as his partner, you know, her role is to be with him through this. I mean, I understand how difficult these things are not easy. But, but how long do you how long do you stick? I know, I know, I understand that, and it would be it would be horrible to suggest that somebody should just abandon somebody, right? Yeah, yeah. But but how long do you stick with that? You know, and and I've heard situations like this, and had, I remember having a caller on the air going back about four or five years ago, and she had told me that her husband said to her that if she if she left him, he would take his own life. Now, I did have an expert on Yeah, and I had an expert on the air at the time saying you cannot be held to ransom by somebody yeah, like that. No, that's, that's an abusive comment. Yeah, of course yeah. it is. But, but I mean, you've been listening to Sandy and Bernie, Bernie who lived with somebody for 30 years. Now, you know, you, you yeah, can't, you can't you, think that's you normal up, life. You know no, what I mean? No, but what you end up with situations like that is they're codependent relationships. Mm. You know, a person, uh, you shouldn't live in a situation like that for 30 years. You shouldn't live in a situation like that for three months. This is what I mean. People don't get help. People don't recognize mental health. And this, this is what needs to change. We need to recognize that everybody um, can experience mental health. And when we do, sometimes it's short term. I mean, it's normal. It's normal if, if, you've, you know, if you've experienced uh, loss or bereavement, for example. Or if you've lost your job, or if you're going through hard times, or you've had bad health, or what? Or somebody dies, it, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Depression is a normal uh, part of the process, but if it's something that is progressing um, longer than uh, it should, and, and is beginning to impact on a person's day-to-day life, well, then they should get help straight away, and and everybody should get help. It's not just about the person who is going through it, but people around them need to understand what's going on. And, and how they need to, what their role is in that recovery, because partners tend to become uh, enablers in, often in situations like that. Now, that's not to say they're to blame. They, people don't know that they are enabling. But this well, they, is well, they, they feel they're only the caring. Yes, you're right, they yeah, can be enabling, but they, but they, they feel they're caring. The so that they understand. I mean, well, well, let, well, let me just come back to Bernie. Sorry, just Bernie, in relation yeah. to your situation, did you get help in the early days when you first recognised that your husband was suffering from depression? Did you did you get help from him, or did he get help? We didn't. There wasn't no help. There wasn't any help. It wasn't recognised back in the day. Um, like we were talking about Ireland in the in the eighties and nineties. Like this is this was this was never discussed. Really, it was hidden under the carpet. Um, I did actually get, send him to his family home in Dublin at the time we were lived in the country. And his uncle took him under his wing and got him some help. And he got him on very strong medication, which, you know, I, I said, he left it, he got him out of the house for six weeks to try and straighten him out because I didn't want our small children living in this environment every day. And the, in, in, when, when he came down, he said, why did you live with me so long like this? I, why, how did you stick me for this long? And I said, I just want you to be healthy and well, please, t-, you know. But the tablets were, you know, sent him on another spiral for another six months, he, you know. So in the early days, I just had the help of a family member. And then I kind of, you know, accepted my life and got on with it and, you know, realised then that he had depression and that, you know, hopefully he would be able to 
mature himself. I know it sounds stupid, but you're innocent in your 30s and 40s. You're not really aware of what's going on in the world only because you're trying to live life and, and grow mm. a life. And there, there um, is, I so, mean, to be fair, there's mixed views on antidepressants in this world. I know they do, for some people, they're very good. But for other people, they don't work as well as others. But you know, there and is, they should only be short term. Yeah, but I mean, absolutely, because it is like putting a plaster on a bucket, isn't it? Sorry. But I mean, that's right. I mean, yeah. we do not have adequate mental health services in this country. I mean, I, I once worked um, in a, a drug rehabilitation program, and one of the participants was suicidal. And I'm a trained suicide counselor, prevention counselor. I um, was able to assess that person as being high risk. Uh, brought them to their GP with their permission, of course, that day with, with this, you know, uh, sincere belief that this person would take their own life to save. We did not get them into a mental health facility. The waiting list was three months. The waiting list for that person was three months. They took their life that night. Yeah. You know, we God. have absolutely, you know... Well, that, that's the, 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 the problem always with mental service. health, and I've said this for years, the problem with mental health is, is that unlike a broken arm, you can't see it. So because we don't see it, we don't think it's as important or we don't think it's as valuable or we don't think we but need to be looking at it. You can, you can obviously see the effects of it. Oh, no, um, no, obviously, no, but I, I say that from a point of view that yeah. because, because when somebody is suffering from mental health problems, we physically can't see it. Yeah. And, and they can portray yeah. and project themselves as the happiest person in the world well, and then go true. home. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. very true. A person, a person can be going through hell on the inside and look perfectly Absolutely. Perfectly happy on, on the, the outside. outside. Yeah. But we, we, and that, again, is because of the stigma and prejudice that is associated to mental health. Mm. But we do need to, I mean, we just simply don't have adequate mental health services in this country, full stop. Okay, so your advice, Derek, to this particular lady who sent in the email, and, and uh, you know, one of the sad parts about it, actually, is she says, um, it was, uh, oh yeah, the home is now filled with tension and negativity affecting not only me, but her son, who mourns the loss of his pre- previously joyful father. I mean, so it's obviously having a, an effect on the whole family, and I can, you yeah, can see that. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. well, I think she needs help. You know, stop focusing on him. What help can she get? Mm. You know, um, uh, and, and there are, you know, again, um, there are things like family support services in, in a lot of um, communities around uh, the country. But, um, you know, and very often we have to resort to private situations as well, private yeah. solutions. It's, you know, it, it really does highlight, you know, the inadequacy of um, mental health services in this country and, and, and how real people are affected by it and how it affects real um, lives. But I do think in, in a situation like this, it's, not just to focus on the person who's going through the mental health situation, but also the family, um, and, to, and to try to to try to get some form of professional um, support. Mm. Uh, doctors are usually good; they're a lot better now. Um, speaking to you know, do, do you not think, Derek, with doctors, with GPs, generally speaking, it's a case of you go to a GP, you tell them stuff from depression. Here's a prescription. See you now, bye. And that well, that, that tends to be in a lot of the cases. You see, it is, that is changing, and, and that is not the solution. But doctors usually should have knowledge of what supports are available in, mm. in the community. And there's a lot that the community... Well, wasn't there a piece in the Irish Examiner going back a while ago there, it could have been two or three years ago, where one of the journalists, who's only kind of 20 years of age, young girl, she went to 19 doctors in Cork, and out of all nine, uh, out of the 19 doctors, every single one of them prescribed antidepressants. Now, she wasn't depressed. She was pre- pretending to be. Yeah, and yeah. they all just prescribed antidepressants. Not one of them prescribed talk therapy. You know what I mean? Um, well, I, I, yeah, but, but that is changing. I know with younger doctors and, and newer practices, that is changing. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and, and, you know, prescribing pills sh- should only be in extreme cases and it should only be a short-term solution. OK, but well, do, do me a favour, Derek. Just stay there for a second because I want to go to Steve as well. Steve, hi, how are you? How are you, Niall? Uh, so one of, the, one of the things that I wanted to talk about was somebody who used the word enabling yeah. earlier uh, this morning. So basically, you guys will probably remember that years and years ago I was on the radio to you and I had uh, I was with a woman who had a son and he was getting bullied and I beat the crap out of the bully. You remember that story? I do, I do remember that story, yeah. It was a long time ago now. Okay, yeah. so, so that, that young lad, he grew up terribly depressed and every other night of the week I'd be getting text messages. His mother would be uh, ringing me that he was depressed, that he was attempting to take his own life and this went on for years, Niall, and we enabled that young lad so much. But then, I think it was last year, it was March last year, he sent us one of the threatening messages and we had agreed we're just going to ignore him that it's not true that he would do something like that. Brought the doctors and all that type of stuff. But he did, he ended up taking his life. I'm sorry to he hear ended that. Up killing him. He ended up killing himself after we ignored his text message. Now, I don't know whether we're at fault there for enabling from him for all them years. Um, I, I don't know who's at fault there. I just know that you can't ignore depression. That's what I do know. But what I have to say about this woman who's involved in this is that it's crazy to think that now she's having a mental health crisis and she's supposed to be the pillar of support for him. That's a crazy idea. There's already one life being ruined. There's no point in ruining her life or the child's life either. So if I was her, for his sake and for her own sake, get him the help he needs and walk out the door because nobody is going to be happy. He will continue doing this. She will continue enabling him. To what end, I don't know. I just hope he doesn't take his own life and then she feels like shit for the rest of her life. But but you would also say, Steve, too, that she is his wife. She was mm-hmm. happy at one stage. They were a very happy couple at one stage. So yeah. walking away is kind of the easy way out. To some, to some degree, I'm not. Absolutely. By the way, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not taking away from the fact, and you're 100 percent correct. You've now got two people with mental health problems, right? She's yep. suffering from depression too. She's feeling very negative because of what's happening, and you know, and nobody, nobody should put up with the way she's being treated. I get that completely, uh, because you're not putting this planet and in this world to be abused by anybody. But in saying that as well, she does have a duty to him as well and a responsibility if she loves him. Okay, so Niall, I'll give you the old um, expression of, you ever hear, heard of cutting the tether? Mm, well, you explain to me the context you're using that term. Okay, so basically there's, you and I, we're going, we're walking up Mount Everest, and you're behind me and we're tethered together by rope, and you injure yourself, but it's vital that I get up to the top or I'm going to die. At what point do I cut that rope? Do I cut it at all and the two of us die or do I cut the rope and at least one of us survive? No, I, you have to make the choice to survive, Niall. And she has a child. She has to do it for the child's sake as well. You need to cut the rope. Depression is a very selfish disorder. It makes you oh, think about yourself. Oh, that's a very dangerous thing to say. Why, why would you say it's a very something? dangerous thing to say. No, nobody chooses to be depressed, Steve. Uh, no, absolutely not. Well then, well, well, then, why would you suggest? Why would you suggest it's a selfish because, disorder when you're telling? Because, when I'm telling explain. you, nobody ever chooses to be depressed. Let me explain. Let me explain. Well, I hope you can explain disorder. that. Yeah. 
Of course, I, I can, Niall. Take it for, from somebody who is on antidepressants for the last nine years. I know what it's like to be depressed. When you're depressed, you think about you. You think about the mistakes you've made. You think about the poor people you've hurt. You think about your life constantly. You, 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 me, 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 me. That's all you think. So that is why it's a selfish disorder, Niall, because but that's you're not, not a, But that's not, that doesn't mean it's selfish. That's, it's not intent. When you use the word selfish in the right context, selfish means that you're intentionally context, doing... Niall. No, 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 no. Being selfish means you're intentionally being selfish. You know, mm-hmm. you know you're keeping the sweets to yourself. You're, you're keeping the money to yourself or whatever it happens to be that you're keeping to yourself. <laughs> but when you're depressed or when you're suffering from mental health problems, you're not intentionally being selfish or intentionally making it about you. You have no choice in that matter. That's the way your mind works. Oh, That's on, why it's a disorder. A yes, you do. Niall, no, hold on a goddamn second. Yes, you do have a choice. You should know Let's if you've fi- suffered from depression. Yes, I, I, so let me, let me explain, Niall. In, in my world, in my opinion, I have figured out what depression is. Depression is... Well, I'm glad you have because experts around the world Niall, struggle with it all the time. But go Niall, on. It's important that you don't interrupt. In my opinion, what depression is, is that nagging voice in your head saying, get off the couch, lose the weight, stop smoking, stop doing this. It's that voice in your head that constantly berates you. You need to calm that voice down and do what it is asking. If that voice in your head is saying, get off the couch and go out and get a job, go out and do that. Because if you don't, you're just going to be left on the couch with those feelings doubled up the following day. Sorry, sorry Derek, you wanted to respond to what Steve was saying. Yeah, I just think you know, it's really dangerous to say that depression is a, a selfish act. I mean, depression is very complex, and everybody's experience of depression is individual. And um, I think that you know we've got to be we've got to use the word compassion, you know, when we're talking about depression. And also, somebody mentioned one of the ladies mentioned the word, you know, that the guy went down to be straightened out. We have to be careful with the language we use in relation to depression. Remember, it's something each and every one of us will experience at some point in our lives uh, to some degree. Um, we, we, we don't have adequate supports in this country or an adequate understanding of depression or how to cope with it. But it does affect the individual and everyone around them. And it can be very debilitating and it can destroy lives. That's absolutely true. And we, we have to establish um, the difference there between sadness and depression. You say that we've all yeah, gone through depression. When somebody dies, we might experience you know, a few no, months we, of we sadness will, no, and we grief. Will, we will, all, we will yeah. all experience depression to some degree at yeah. some point in our lives. Absolutely, it's part of the human condition, mm. like happiness. You know, you can't say so, Derek, you, can I ask you, know, you a question? Sorry, yeah. can I ask you a question? You're upset with the language that I'm using. Why can't I'm not, I, I use say that language? Upset. I said, we, no, hold on. I didn't say it was upset. I said we have to be careful about it. You know, we're, we've got people listening to this um, conversation mm-hmm. who are probably um, depressed, and we just have to be very careful okay. and mindful of that. So if I, if, I use, if I use the word, if I'm sitting here saying to the people who are listening who are depressed that I think it's a selfish disorder, what do you think is going to negatively affect them about that sentence? Well, I would imagine the word, the word selfish. You know, I think um, if someone is listening to this conversation and, and they are depressed, they're already, you know, dealing with issues of low self-esteem, and to uh-huh. to to add another label to that is is not um, is not a very compassionate I, I, way to, to view the issue. I, 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 I mean, no, very, uh, well, we're both responsible. Okay, just to, just responsible. To, both to both of you, just to get back to the email, Stephen. Let's yeah. uh, let's focus on the email, and and it is well written, and and I can see that there's compassion in the email. Um, for both her husband because she talks about him so well at the start. She talks about how vibrant and humorous an individual he was, the life and soul of the party and driven in his own business. So very ambitious type of person. 
great happiness. I can almost see the happy marriage with the five-year-old son up to a year ago. And, you know, for somebody to go, Steve, from being that to being somebody who sits on the sofa or lies in the bed watching television and doesn't mm -hmm. want to get up, that's not just somebody who's, you know, that's not a selfish act. That's somebody who's out of control. That situation that's, is yeah, out of no, control. So, no, 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 please let me finish. Please <clears throat> let me finish. So what I'm saying is that if somebody is intentionally doing something to upset another person, I can understand why you'd want to leave. And no, nobody want to put themselves in that situation. But sometimes you have to make exceptions. And when you're in a relationship and you love somebody and they're behaving a certain way that you genuinely know and you should know is out of their control, well then, no, you know, compassion no, and, no, and support would be better than abandonment. Surely. He's intentionally he's intentionally sitting on the sofa. He's making a choice to sit on that sofa. He's not. He can say to, He's yes, not. He is. He, Niall, take it from somebody who I, knows. I know. Every, we've you all can, suffered at some point, him. Steve, for so, that. So, okay. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. So your advice, your advice, Niall, is that <clears throat> it's out of his control. Yes. You're telling a person who is depressed it's not within their control to help themselves. Well, 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 no, well, well it is. When, when you're suffering from depression, and the, I don't know, you know how depressed you've been or, or what help or supports you've got in your lifetime, Steve, uh, but when you're in that situation and you're seriously depressed, and I've spoken publicly about mm -hmm. my own situation when my marriage broke down seven or eight years ago and I stood on Hoth Head at three o'clock in the morning and it wasn't for a phone call from somebody, I wouldn't be here today. I'd be off the edge of it. I mean, I didn't mm -hmm. make a decision to do that. When I think back at that, that's, that's not the me that's now. When I look back no, at that, that wasn't me. You're you know taking I mean? responsibility out of your own hands and putting it into others. You can't, Jesus, lads, when you're dealing with depression, the thing you need to do is deal with yourself. You, you cannot tell a person. But you I'm might need help too. But you need Niall, help too, Steve. Niall, Niall, please let me finish. You cannot tell a person who is depressed that it's out of their hands. It is totally within their control to help themselves. Now, as for the wife, let me ask a question. Was he like that at the start? No, he wasn't. Rhetorical question. You wouldn't go into a shop, Niall, and buy a faulty <laughs> good. So if you go into a relationship that's a nice, happy, working relationship and it turns out to be miserable, you have every entitlement to save yourself and go. You don't have a responsibility to that person if they don't... I, I, think, you, I think you do for a period of time. I think you do have a responsibility to support that person. And, and by the way, if that becomes endless, yes, I understand the point that you're making. And Derek, that would be a fair point to make, that if you do everything you possibly can to help somebody, but they're not willing to help themselves, which I think Steve is trying to say in some sort of roundabout way, and they're not willing to help themselves, and you're trying your best to support them, there is a point, Derek, where you must as the t context of this, to the phrase he used, cut the tether, as he called it. In other words, to leave. There, there is a point where you must obviously look after yourself. Well, I, ob I object to anybody um, suffering with depression to be referred to as faulty goods for a start. But the thing is that, um, like I said earlier on, it, it's, not just, it's not just about the person who is going through um, the depression, it's about the people who are around them and, you know, their, their married partner and, and, and children as well. Everyone needs support. And with support, people would get through it. The problem is the support is not available or is very difficult um, to find. And, um, and people are left hanging, not knowing what to do. They're left dealing with it as best they can, very often enabling a situation, not knowing they're enabling because Anyone who enables does it out of love. 
And that's because people don't have the wherewithal or the know-how to handle these situations. That's why early intervention is key. And without early intervention with depression or mental illness, this is what happens. And lives are broken up. I do think the danger is if somebody was to leave a relationship, particularly if you've been in a relationship with someone for 10 years and nine of those years you were very happy and you leave because of an illness, that that in itself could affect that person further on down the line and create even further problems. Okay, do me a favour. Stay there, Derek. Let me go to Dave as well. Dave, hi, how are you? Hi, Dave. How's things? That's a crack. Um, Dave, it's a difficult situation. There's no doubt about that. It's a complicated situation. But what should she do? Of course it is. Um, I mean, like, you know, saying things have been bad for six months, you're with someone for 10 years. I mean, kind of thrown in the towel a bit early, in my opinion. I mean, you know, why, like, why would you stand at the altar and say your vows and you're better or you're worse than blah, 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 blah. And after six months of, you know, things being not so great, you kind of start thinking of your own exit plan. Like, I'm, I wholeheartedly understand this woman deserves to be happy just as much as her partner does. But just to me, it just seems a little bit cold just to be like after a short period of time. Now, I mean, Bernie on there, she talked about, she dealt with this stuff for 35 years. She sold it on like, a, like an absolute legend, you know? Mm. But like, you know, I mean, yes, eventually you are entitled to say, look, I have put enough in here. And with people with depression, I, I've been through it myself. My partner was, you know, went through as well really heavily. You know, you do get to a point where you kind of almost have to give the other person a bit of a kick in the arse and say, right, come on you know, kind of try to shock them back to Let's uh, get help. reality, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. You know, like, boy, you, you should, like, I mean, you shouldn't be after six months, you should be working on your exit plan. I mean, six, if, you're, if it's been six years or seven years or, you know, and things have been really, really bad for that length of time, okay, then I can understand your, 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 your train of thought in that regard. But, I mean, if it's a person that you say you love and you want to spend the rest of your life with, would you not fight tooth and nail until you try to get them to the health that they need, until you've exhausted at every avenue out there and like, I mean I'd agree with but the, the, but the problem, but the problem with Derek, what Derek is saying and it makes an awful lot of sense we don't recognise it very well in Ireland or in most countries actually to be honest it's not well, just it's Ireland not, and, we, and you can't get the help but it's not as much we don't recognise it it's just the facilities and the services just they're non-existent and I mean like you can go to a doctor who will give you medication it'll dope you up I'm, I've been offered antidepressants myself in the last few months and I said look they're not for me they're for some people but I would prefer to deal with my own issues head on through counselling and stuff and I, I find for me it's you know it's helpful it doesn't help everybody else I have a family member who's on been on antidepressants for years and he said it to me he said all it's done is made him numb mm-hmm. you know his libido is gone and um, he said my kids could be standing in the middle of the road and a car could run down uh, run him over he's like I genuinely don't know how I'd react to that and, and a lot of a lot of places you go to now, the first protocol is medication. They dope you up on stuff. Um, there's very little in the way of like stuff like cognitive behavioral therapy if you need it, or talk therapy, or counseling and shit like that. And then like if you do need those kinds of stuff, you have to go down the private route. And sometimes then that just becomes prohibitively expensive, particularly if it goes on for years and years and years. Like I might hurt. I'm like Derek made a great point. This lady needs to get help for herself because. She's the one that's soldiering the whole burden here. She's taking on, you know, she's not just caring for a child. She's caring for her partner. You know, her own needs are probably being put on the back burner. She probably doesn't have any bit of a social life, you know. She's uh, taking on the financial responsibility, too, of running a home. Yeah, there's a lot there. So she, like, she is just as deserving of 
counseling and therapy and all yeah. those other kinds of things totally uh, as as he is you know it's it's not just as as much as it is about this guy because he obviously he has depression and like look we've all gone through stuff like that in our lives where you wake up in the morning and your first well, thought is right here we here we go again you know that kind of way but like yes yeah, sorry sorry Derek, sorry Derek what are you trying to say there no I think uh, you know that that's you know that's absolutely true that you know the 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 wife there needs um, support. I was just thinking while I was listening there that, you know, in a situation like this, there's a lot we can actually do. And I think to, to try and focus on what what this woman can do. I mean, in terms of local supports, um, and there are probably more than she realizes, I would simply ring the her local uh, drugs task force, actually, who would be very aware of what counseling supports and family supports there are in her area. But also, you know, the local men's sheds. The men's sheds organizations are incredible. And they're mm, I've interviewed them on the air. They're great. They're wonderful places. They're amazing. And, yeah. and even for, 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 for women to, to contact the men's shed and find out what supports might be available for my husband, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, I, so I think it's a, I what, she, what I'm trying to say, I suppose, is if she, um, part of what she's feeling is helplessness and hopelessness. So if there was a way that she could even contact an organization that would help her to feel a sense of hope that there was a way out of this, it might change the situation dramatically. Yeah, sorry, Steve. Go ahead. Um, just to Dave's point um, that he said that he feels like the woman is exiting too quickly. Oh, she she um, has an exit plan too quickly, yeah. Yeah, okay. So you, you know the old saying, you put your hand on a hot woman, it feels like a second. Put your hand on, on a stove, a hot stove, and it feels like an hour. We don't know how intense her situation is. Okay. The last six months for her could be absolute <laughs> hell. Then again, it could be just a normal, you know, depression and she just can't handle it. Maybe she, maybe she is being a bit of a selfish bitch. I don't know, but we can't judge because we're not in that oh situation. And I would also like to say to um, Derek, is it, that Derek is putting an awful lot of emphasis on the government, you know, giving help to people with well, mental but, health but, yeah, but he's right. Well, the government have a responsibility. Let me finish. Let me finish. Yeah. There is a lack of... <laughs> of people wanting to help themselves. We're putting the responsibility of helping yourself onto everybody else. People with depression need. No, no, no. Steve, if you've suffered from depression, you should know. Sometimes there's a limit to how much help you can give yourself when you're in that situation. Uh, but Niall, here's the thing. You, you make it sound like that you can just make a decision to turn it off in the morning. That's not the way it works. Have you really actually suffered from depression or have you just been no, in a bad mood one day? That. That's not what depression is. No. Yeah, maybe you've that, just been in a bad mood one day, Steve. There's a bit of a, a difference, second. you know hold what I mean? Whoa, 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 hold on. A, no, I mean, you can't, you, can't just, you can't just click your fingers and turn it off. Two seconds. I am two seconds away from hanging up this guy. Yeah, I, well, I don't care if you're two seconds away from hanging up, but you're making it sound like it's something that you have control over. Speak to people who have been really depressed. They don't really have control over You do understand how, how it's biological, Noel, don't you? you've just insulted the shit out of me. I am I way. am going to insult You have insulted the shit out of most people here today, but go on, Stop yeah. Stop being so goddamn go rude. Go on, go on. I'll, continue to be, so I, I, I'll continue to be rude if you keep making stupid statements, but make the point you're making. Hold, no, Jesus uh, Christ. I can, Niall, I'm not going to listen... 
not going to listen to you shouting. Because you deem my statement stupid doesn't mean it's stupid. And from him on the other end to laugh when I'm talking about he, the depression that I went through is just... No, he's not la- He's laughing at the statement you made that people can choose. In other words, you're making a statement that people can choose to be depressed. In other words, they can turn it off. That's a stupid statement, and I'm going to laugh at it as well. Dude. If both of you hadn't been so rude, I would have continued to tell you that it was a psychiatrist that I was seeing who told me, you have to make the decision to help yourself. Yes, I'm not, I'm not denying that you make a decision to help yourself. And of course, it's like every addiction. It's like depression. It's like everything else. You can help yourself. Of course you can. But you can't turn it off, Steve. So, hold on. If you, I never said you can turn it off. Oh. Stop putting words in my mouth. Oh. I said you have to make a decision to help yourself. Sorry, 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 Derek. Yeah, no, just to clarify, I, I think maybe there's confusion over what Stephen's trying to say. Ultimately, um, ultimately, when it comes to getting better, it is about recognizing a person has a problem and doing something to help themselves. But what what has to happen is the support to get to that point in the first place. It's not something that someone who's in depression, particularly chronic depression, can understand. And, you know, it is that sense of not being able to help themselves, a sense of hopelessness and helplessness that that keeps a person down and and sends them even further. But people need support and they need therapy to get to the point where they can feel, okay, now... I can do something about this myself. And, and that's what it's about. But, um, but Stephen is right insofar as unless a person gets to that point, yes. they will not I, No, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with what he said in the sense that you have to want to help yourself, but I am disagreeing with the fact that he more or less suggested that yeah, you can kind of just switch it off. No, you can't. <laughs> no. If, if it was that easy, people would We'd all be doing it. it. Well, well, do me a favor, Dave and, and Derek, stay with me for a second. Let me go to Alan. Alan, hi, how are you? How are you doing? I'm very conscious of the fact, by the way, it's mainly main call, male callers today. And, and yet the statistics will show us that it is mainly men that get depression. But I'm sure um, the, the statistics are, the, the real statistics are probably it's 50-50 with men and women. But sorry, Alan, go ahead. I would say that there's still a high degree of stigma connected to men and depression and any sort of mental illness. Because... Years ago, if you felt sad or something like that, you went off and you joined a group of men and they they boosted your morale. But in recent times, in the last 10 years, the the likes of the words masculinity has been chipped away at. And men find it very hard to deal with their emotions. Mm. And Mm. women don't understand male emotions like men do. Well, no. just like we probably don't understand female emotions as well as women exactly. do. Exactly. Yeah. Men are from Mars and women are from Venus. <laughs> yeah. I would agree. You know. Yeah. You, you know, and 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 I would and I would say that in that uh, situation, she is yes, she's she's boosting them, but she might be boosting them in the wrong way. That he might need a focus, a suggested focus for the person to concentrate. And by leaving for a short period of time and leaving him with that focus, it might bring him out with little small goals of the depression. That was the case with me at one stage. Now, I wasn't clinically depressed in that way, but I was sad for a period of time. But I found that when I had focus and I was given focus, it helped me out. And it took about 10 years for that to happen. Yeah. But it happened. Yeah. 
you know. And when you say you were in that situation, were you married at the time or? I was separated. <laughs> okay, okay. And this weighed very heavily on me, but I had focus Yeah. in my life. I had a daughter that I focused on. Yeah. And I kept on at it. Kept on at it, kept on at it. And all I did was I went to the gym and I concentrated on my daughter and repeat. Work, gym, daughter. Work, gym, daughter. Very small steps to gradually, you know, climb out of the pit of sadness, if you want to call it that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it, it, it worked. But some people are so clinically depressed that they get to a point where there isn't any rungs on the ladder to get out of that pit. No, they need professional help. Mm-hmm. They need professional help. And I don't think, and, and as was said before, that GPs, they're too quick to prescribe uh, drugs. That's the American ideal. They, they have people drugged up to their eyeballs. Which doesn't every American have their own therapist? You know? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All even, if they don't, even if they don't need it, it's just good to go and talk. Yeah. Just look at some of the problems that they have in America right now. Mm. You know, they, I think some of them need more therapy over there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But, 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 but what, I, what I mean is, is that everybody can be sad at times. Of course. And it, it can be a temporary thing. And I think six months... It's too small frame of a time for her to start throwing the towel in just yet. Mm. You know, if it goes on to a year and stuff like that. She, I, I, she I'm not, by her. the way, I don't want, I, there's a couple of texts from people saying we're ignoring this woman and how she feels. We're, I, I don't believe Derek no. or anybody else on the air or Dave no. or anybody else on the air is ignoring the woman and how she feels. And no, I we're pretty conscious of her. No, absolutely. You know, and I, I, I can imagine what yeah. it must be like to live in that situation where she says she talks about walking on eggshells and he's picking arguments with her all the time. And yeah. I can imagine what that must be like. It must be very, very difficult for her. And, and that's it no... And be, by the way, you're not put on this planet, and I'll say that again, you're not put on this planet to take abuse. And there's no excuse for abuse. I, it doesn't matter. You know, when somebody's in an abusive relationship, and when I say abusive relationship, psychologically abusive in this case, maybe, right? You know, him having depression is not an excuse to, for her to be psychologically abused. You know, that that's not an excuse. You know, so that has to stop. You know? And I think, Derek, you'd even agree with that. Yeah, yeah, but one of the things she reminds me, one of the things that she doesn't say is whether or not she has sat down with him and have a, had a conversation to explain I assume to she has. How, well, we can't assume that. She, she doesn't talk about that. Um, but I would... Um, I mean, you know, I've been in situations, we've all been in situations, I suppose, where, you know, you're in a relationship and the other person is doing your head in um, or, you know, something's going wrong. You should always sit down with that person first and have a conversation about what is going on and be clear about what is and what isn't acceptable behavior. And, um, you know, to, to, with someone who, who's um, in the midst of depression, they cannot see. Um, what's going on around them. They cannot see how their behavior is affecting other people. And sometimes just by having that calm conversation, sitting down and saying, listen, this is how I feel, um, it, it can help. It, it, it is in itself a form of therapy. But um, just because someone is depressed doesn't mean they don't love their partner anymore. It doesn't mean that they can't function necessarily anymore. It doesn't mean that they can't take on board what another other person is going through. So I think Having, having conversations is very important, but it's also important to be able to say to that person, listen, I have a limit as to what I can endure. Mm-hmm. And as much as I love you, you know, I cannot deal with this much longer. And when does a person get to that breaking point? But don't get to that breaking point until you've sat down and had those conversations. 
I'm looking, yeah, I'm looking at some of the messages come in, and I'll ask you this one, Dave. Somebody says, uh, I understand the point that Dave is making, uh, but I do think there has to be an exit plan. I don't think she's selfish by making an exit plan, but maybe a little bit too soon. Maybe she should set a date for three or six months in the future, give him all the support that he needs, and at that point, if it still hasn't changed, will then put into play her exit plan. Oh, that's, that's wrong. Dave, that's in reference to what you said about you know making the early exit plan. Yeah, well, I mean, like, I don't necessarily agree. Like, look, we all admit, like, this woman is, is just as entitled to have a happy life as her partner is. And I mean, what Derek just said there, I've had that conversation with my missus. She had that conversation with me once upon a time. And it was enough for both of us to kind of, you know, shock something in our brains and go, right, I've been incredibly selfish here. I'm going through a bad time, but I'm not the only person in this relationship and I'm not the only person in this family. And maybe that little bit of a shock to the system might actually help, you know? And I mean, yeah, but like I still stand by saying, you know, like you're being six months into it and, you know, thinking, right, I need to get out of here because I'm still young. I, to me, that just does come across as wee bit selfish. But look, that's just my own opinion. But yeah. Alan just made a very good point there as well. Men are, we are not going to talk about our emotions. Now, I am, but I'm, I'm, you know, like, I'm almost an exception to rule, like, to the point where my female friends say I'm more like one of the girls than one of the boys, you know? <laughs> well, look, um, in fairness, point, Dave, you've gone through a horrific year uh, in 2023. Sadly, your wife died extremely young. You know, you two mm-hmm. very young children. You've gone, to, and obviously that was very difficult for you because you had to give up work for a period of time, et cetera, et cetera. So that was, a, I mean, you went through a really difficult year. Well, we myself, my brother jotted it down uh, there recently. Do you know how many family funerals we've had in the last 10 years? How many? 19. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Including your, you sadly, know, including your own in, wife last in, year. Including Michelle's and, yeah. and the babies as well. Yeah. Uh, I tell you, we should have stuck with the one undertaker the whole way through. Surely we would have got a discount. <laughs> Yo, um, yeah, well, for sure. It'd hey, be like Tesco, you get points. <laughs> uh, for sure. For sure. Hey, listen, 20, 2023 gave us one last kick in the balls there last Friday. Drunk driver wrote my car off. <laughs> oh, God. And my brother's. Oh, oh no! Yeah, so, that's fine. Look, I'm sure you've heard this a million times, but I'm sure they're going to turn around for you, Dave. I'm sure they are. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, by the way, Tracy says on WhatsApp. Now, the reason for his depression could be physical. Uh, a relation checked herself into the oh. mental health wing at a hospital. She was spiraling into madness, depression, and extreme anxiety and delusions. A week later, the test showed she was magnesium deficient. That was all. It was affecting her mind, all sorted now. She uh, just has to drink a glass of orange juice daily. People don't realise how important these essential vitamins and minerals are. I've also read a wonderful book called The Iodine Crisis, full of testimonies of people uh, overcoming depression, anxiety, libido problems, thyroid problems, etc. using iodine. These minerals we need in trace amounts and adding life to your diet, fruit, salads, fresh-made juice. By the way, I'm not going to deny all those things are good for you. I don't know whether they'll cure depression, uh, but I'm not going to deny they are actually good for you. And your physical health is always good for your mental health. There's no doubt about that. If you're physically physically unwell, it's certainly going to affect your mental health. Kieran says on WhatsApp, oh God, another addiction counsellor pontificating. I think this person has made her mind up just looking for validation. Well, you're possibly right. I'm not about the the addiction counsellor pontificating, but about the person who has made her mind up. And I get that impression too, you know, that Derek, she may have already made her mind up when she wrote the email in the first place. Somebody else says, yeah. uh, I've suffered from mental health issues since I was 17 and I'm 48 now. For the first 15 years at least of it, I didn't care about anything else or anyone else. It's only now that I'm older, I re- just realise how much my mental is- health issues affected all those around me. I was in and out of hospitals, but they never really helped me until I decided to not only work 
work uh, with the mental health staff, but to take responsibility for my own mental health, did I start to lead a productive life? It's an ongoing issue, but I know uh, when you when and where to find the help. Uh, let me go to Don as well. Don, hi, how are you? Yeah, hi, I'd just like to say that uh, yesterday I went to a group uh, therapy session and it feels like I have removed a shard of glass from my brain. It was such a wonderful experience. Well, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> I, so, 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 so I, I, and before that, I have tried dozens and dozens and dozens of therapists. And if you'd asked me yesterday afternoon what I thought about therapy, I'd say it doesn't work. It's a waste of time until this one session that worked. So, so what I'm trying to say is that, like, sure, you could say therapy works, get therapy, but realistically, you have to try hundreds and hundreds of times before you find that one therapist that might just have that one sentence, that one nugget of information that helps you. So it is true to say that ultimately we have to help ourselves, but we, but we usually can only get that information from an external source. Mm-hmm. You're like a driving instructor, you know. You have to drive the car yourself. Yeah, but for the love of God, get a driving instructor. And what was what was so special when you say this this therapy you had yesterday was like removing a shard of glass from your brain? What what was what was so special about this therapy that you had yesterday, this session that you had yesterday, compared to other sessions in the past which have failed? Yeah, well, uh, the theme was childhood from the trauma, and I think the website is something like crappychildhoodfairy.com, something like that. I just saw her a YouTube video, uh, signed up for a course, did one session, and I went, wow, this is the best okay. therapy session I've ever done. So, ba- so basically, it was very, very simple. I just spent 10 minutes writing down what I fear, what I resent, things that I'm angry with, uh, why I'm angry with it. And then I meditated in silence for 20 minutes. And it worked. All of a sudden, like, all of a sudden, it was just like, oh, I can, I can just acknowledge the pain and suffering, what caused this, accept it, and move on. Okay, well, well, look, it doesn't matter what it is, as long as it works. That's the most important thing. If, it, if it's sitting talking to Ronald McDonald for five minutes, it doesn't matter, as long as it works. It's where everything, something different works for everybody, you know what I mean? And it doesn't yeah. matter what it is, as long as it makes a difference to your life. That's all that matters, isn't it? Okay, try, so, try so every day. Yeah, so so getting back to our That's email. It, try every day. Don, getting back to our email, what advice would you give to this woman if she was your sister? I would say that... Like, as bad as it sounds, unfortunately, she does have a duty of care to take care of her husband longer than six months. Okay. Uh, But also, there's a duty of care of taking, like, she has to take care of the husband. And then other people also have to take care of her. Like, I don't actually, I don't know these people, but I can't actually pretend I know what the solution is. Mm. It could be possible that the only solution is maybe he has to go to a special mental health facility. Because she can't provide that care. Okay, so he need, he may need just professional help. Yes. Yeah, that could that could just be like, look, she can't possibly she can't possibly do it, and her version of helping is finding someone else to help. If that makes sense. Oh no, no, no it makes perfect sense. Let me go to Morgan as well, because uh, I have to wrap this up in a second, and I, and I'm, I'm conscious of the fact that I've kept Derek on for the whole show. Uh, Morgan, hi, how are you? 
I'm well, Niall. How are you? Good. Uh, Morgan, I mean, it's, it's a difficult scenario and a difficult situation because everybody, as people have said already, everybody's entitled to happiness, you know, and nobody should be abused in any relationship or in any shape or form. But in saying that, do you have a duty to stick with a person when they're suffering like that? Um, well, you do, especially if you're married. Um, you, we do make vows. Now, I know it's somewhat idealistic, but we do make a vow when we marry someone in sickness and in health. And until death do us part. Uh, of course, we're grown-ups and we realise that uh, while that's idealistic, um, sometimes we have to separate. It's very difficult to make any sort of judgment on this woman's situation because there's a lack of information. Um, mm. But it doesn't just happen in a day. Um, you know, we fall in love almost instantly, but it can take 10, maybe 20 years to actually hate someone in a relationship. And yeah. I'm sure that their problems didn't just start recently. And I'm sure there's a host of reasons why that man is depressed. And uh, I'm sure that lady would be part of that reason too. Not to blame her, but it, it's very complex. And people really, if you're married, you should do everything within your power um, to support and help your partner. However, if it becomes detrimental and there's a child involved as well, well then it may be the case that she does have to leave. Um, mm. I couldn't advise her to leave because we don't know the full situations. I read the email. Yeah. It said that the guy had uh, his own business. Yeah. Which, let's face it, can be depressing enough in, yeah. in this climate um, if, yeah. it, if, it, if it's failing. Huge responsibility we, as well. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't know the dynamic between them. That could have been his identity. His whole identity could have been his business. Maybe it failed. And maybe now she's picking up the pieces. So he's lost what he thought was his manhood, she's looked at him and thought, well, you know, he's not contributing, so of course you're going to sink into uh, poor mental health and eventually um, yeah. depression. Um, but it's, a, it, it, it's a very complex, but reading the email, it sounds to me like she's already made up her mind mm. and that she is, she will exit, and that will cause a host of other problems um, to her, her child as well. Uh, so I don't think there's any real answer, but... I, I'm more I think, well, I think everybody's right when they say she just seems to be looking for validation more so than anything else, really, doesn't she? Yeah, so it yeah. sounds like she's made that decision. If she's contacting a, a radio show to say, listen, is this the right thing to do? Yeah. It is. It, it's looking for, for validation. Um, and she will mm. probably only hear the comments that are in agreement with her, yes, leave. Um, but there's not just one person involved here. There's a host of people and um, mm. circumstances that were just not aware yeah. of. Um, in relation to mental health facilities, um, again, I think it needs to start with the the people um, to begin with. Just when you go into a relationship, have the honest conversations to begin with. What is it we expect from each other? Maybe a little bit of forward planning. What happens if X, Y, and Z comes about? Uh, but we all know depression is massively complex and it's very rarely just one thing that she, she, talk, she talks about the negative atmosphere and him starting rows over stupid things or perceived wrongs that she causes and I suppose Derek in those situations and I know you're not a marriage counsellor Derek although you're a bit of everything else <laughs> I'm not an addiction counsellor either <laughs> well, but she should basically be turning around to him and saying to the husband you can't treat me like this you know I understand you're depressed I understand how you feel but that doesn't excuse you from treating me in this way she should be yeah, talking that, to him like know, that communication, communication is key and that's what I mean about sitting down and having those conversations and, and, and making the other person maybe aware of what's going on but um, very often we skip around them um, I think you know, you know I've been thinking a lot during um, you know listening to other people I think you know she's a, they're a family you know this is the mental health of the family you know and um, and maybe if she thought of it in those terms but I do think if she was serious about about um, making the situation better. And you can't fix it, 
but we mm. can make it better. I think she could look at what's available around me, what's available in, in my community, because you'd be surprised. One phone call could change everything, could change the whole dynamic. And I, but she does need help. I absolutely think that she needs support mm. in this, and her son needs support in this. Schools are very good at, um, at helping. Even organizations like Bernardo's are very good in situations like this, in yeah. fact. Yeah. So there is, there is, there are, there are solutions rather than just walking out. And I do think when people walk away from a situation, by and large, they regret it later. We'll just take one more call and then we wrap this up. Maureen, hi, how are you? Hi, Niall, how are you? Good, Maureen, nice to talk to you. So, Maureen, you've been listening to Derek there for the last hour and 15 minutes, as has everybody else. Uh, and I think a lot of words of wisdom, um, you know, and a lot of people saying she's making her exit plan a little bit quickly here. She's not really supporting her husband. Uh, I mean, what should she do? Um, well, she's, what is it, only six months she's dealing with it? Is well, it? yeah, it's got, well, a year, but it's got worse than the last six months. Yeah, it's got worse. Yeah, yeah well, that's, very, that's a relatively short time. Mm. Uh, as you know, Niall, I have a family member attending Pied House. But I grew up with that, with my mother, God rest her soul. And uh, even as a child, but I didn't understand when I was a child. But I can remember I was about 19 the very first time I took her to um, to be seen by a psychiatrist in a mental health hospital. And uh, she was diagnosed with deep depression. Now, you see, there's, there's all different kinds of depression. But there's always a root cause for depression. And that's what you have to get to. It, doesn't get, it may take a long time to get to the very root of it, but you will find it eventually. But I had it for and years one, and years. Two, three, four, yeah. And um, Go ahead. my mother would spend, she could spend a whole week in bed. And I would give her breakfast, dinner, you know, tea in bed. And as I was getting older, my girls were young at the time. It was impacting on them as well. Um, and then she was living with me too, because I was looking after, of course, looking after my father too. When my father died, she came to live with me. And I had that until she, well, she died in 2008. But, but she got ill, so it wasn't anything to do with her depression. But it was impacting on them. And I was going to work at night as well. And I had all that going on. But I, I remember saying to her one time, um, she was in bed, and she, I said, look, I said, you want dinner? You get up and come downstairs for it, because I'm not bringing it to you. But I was doing that to try and get her just to get out of the bed and come down and, you know, have even a cup of tea. She's on a full meal, but to actually move and get out of the bed. And, and that's uh, not that's not bad advice. So maybe this wife should be going oh, to the I husband and saying, "Listen, we're going out on Saturday night. We're going out to the local pub what? or the local bar or whatever yeah. it is. Let's just do it. Come on." Yes, let's do it. But I, you see, but for me, Niall, by saying that to her, I felt better. You're right because I thought I'd taken kind of a lead here. Now I'm just trying to tell you, ma'am, that this can continue. You must, you must help yourself now. All down through the year, she would have good times, and they had her on different medications until eventually found one that suited her. Did they cure her? No. She was never cured. No. But she had good days, and she had bad days, and she had good weeks. Well, antidepressants don't time. cure depression. That's, that's a bit of a they myth. Don't, no, they don't. No, no, no. They, they, they mask the problems. Yeah. 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 They ma- yeah and some, and sometimes in a good way. Were, yeah. In a good way, because they were, they were helping that chemical imbalance. You mm. know, they, they were keeping it. When she was good, the chemical imbalance was steady. Mm. When she was bad... Well, then she'd be back out again and she'd be in maybe for a week or she'd be in the hospital for a month and I'd be going to visit her and bring her home. And that's what my life was like. So I understand very well when I hear stories about people with depression or um, any mental health illness. But the problem is even back in my day, the, the help was there. This is the thing. It's not there today. That help isn't there. 
and even trying to find a therapist or a counsellor, unless you can pay for it, you could be on these waiting lists. That's no good for somebody who's dealing with the depression, the person that is depressed, or the person that maybe is looking after them. Because if the person that's looking after them isn't, is beginning to feel, well, you know, what am I going to do now? So you're getting flustered. Yeah, and I know, by the way, some people are texting in saying nobody's actually mentioning the child in this situation. No, and, they're not, no. I well, mean, in fairness, the child is five, and she does say the child is grieving the loss of a, of a joyous father. But it, but in saying that, I mean, that's entirely up to the, the wife who wrote the email to get, if she believes the child needs some sort of intervention or therapy or somebody to talk to the child, well, that's entirely up to her to do that. It's not up to the husband to do that because he's not well, in fifth state. Bernardo's so, as, a, as a source of support for the child. Yeah, Bernardo's would be a good source. Yeah. So, sorry, I'm, I'm very much more and I appreciate you talking about it and telling the story. It's a very interesting one, and I hope um, everything worked out in the end. But I, I, I know your mom has since passed. But, but I yes, know. Yes, 2008, I, yeah. Did, did, but just towards the end, for very briefly, before I go to Joseph, did it get better in the very end? It, it, at the end, she found the right medication, I suppose. She, well, she did, but, but it, it kept her balanced. But she would go <laughs> off balance, if you know what I mean. So you're never cured. You see, the, the, the cure was never there. It just helped yeah. to steady her. Yeah, it just, it just made life a little, a little bit more bearable and manageable, I suppose, from that point of view. And again, I'm sorry for cutting you a bit short. Just finally, Joseph, hi. I'm squeezing you in here. Go ahead, Joseph. Thank you very much for having me on. No problem. Go ahead, Joseph. Um, what do you want to say? Yeah, well, I'd like all your listeners to just kind of put that idea on your head and say, if you were suffering from something, be it depression, be it a medical condition, be it um, hit by a car, how long would you like your partner to hang around before they left you? Mm. You know, when it, when you phrase it in that way, yes. how long before someone says, you're, you're not good enough, I'm, I'm leaving you for better, you know, I'll, I'll let this ship sink and, and head on. No one wants that. Yeah. No one. And that's not what marriage is. That's, you know, that can be if you shack up together, if you're just living together, this, uh, what are they called? Enduring relationship, if that's what you want. Dur- en- durable, durable relationships. Is that what the government Durable relationship they're on yeah. about now. Yeah. yeah. If you want a durable relationship that's not actually very durable at all, do that. Yeah. If you're signing up for marriage, you have to know the full weight of it from the moment you propose. And and I, I really think marriage starts from the moment, at least, the man gets down on one knee and says, will you marry me? He is committing 100%. Yeah. And, and I mean, the thing about marriage is, I don't know about this woman's case specifically, right? But she's not there to coddle him and to, like some earlier person was saying, to um, uh, one of the two... Keep it in this state. You to to, to enable him. Yeah, yeah. To enable him. Yeah, yeah. You do have to crack the whip. Like that's part of marriage as well. It's a, it's to be the person who is, um, who helps you through thick and thin, mm. and sometimes cracks the whip and motivates you to get up bar for your arse to, to get work done. I do think now, like some of the the previous callers said, you know, no one knows, no one has figured out depression, no one has has done it. But I think we can say one part of it is abandoning all responsibility. Mm. And once you do that, it's you know not being able or willing to take on responsibility. Once you do that, then you're into a spiral. So I think she has to put responsibility back on him and say, "Look, this is up to you to solve. Crack the whip, get up, do this, or else you know it won't be done, and you'll be worse off for it." And um, I, I know a great thing to get people out of depression is to um, get a dog. That's that's one proven mm. of yeah, I've heard people thing. say that. Yeah, I've heard people you say. have to walk the dog. Imagine you're you're sitting on the couch and the dog is barking at you. He's been down all day. And he's gonna you know walk do his dog. business on the carpet. Yeah. And 
Yeah. No, I, I get it, Joseph. I'm sorry again to could you show up, but I have to say a lot of wise words there. Derek, I feel so guilty for keeping you here for the last hour and Sometimes 20 minutes. I really enjoy it. Don't feel guilty at all. Uh, I just, I kind of like to be careful about using terms like crack the whip. You know, I think compassion when people... No, I, I, I think people use people. different language, Derek, and I understand yeah. that. I don't think people mean to ever offend. And when I say crack the... No, I, I know. Say, I think I'm, he means, you know, I mean self-help <laughs> is, I suppose, what, he, what he's talking about there. And I, and I, I know I think they're right. The they leave me motivated. I, I remember when I went through a particularly bad time, and as I, I mentioned earlier on, I stood up on top of a hotel at three o'clock in the morning and I was going to jump onto the friend of mine rang me. I didn't know that. No, that's, that's, um, oh, yeah. that's special. Sorry oh, you went through that. Oh, no, it was a really particularly bad time. But but I motivated myself to go into work every day and I still did a radio show at 12 o'clock, between 12 mm. and 2 and 9 at night every single day. And sometimes I was doing happy topics. Meanwhile, I was feeling miserable. And, yeah. But you know what it was? When I went into the studio, I felt safe because that yeah. room, nobody could come yeah. near me. And I kind of, it was kind of weird that it made me feel better. It was, I, but, well, that, but that's just me. Something, you also had something else to focus on. Yeah. And you had responsibility, you know, and, and having that, that's something else to focus on can sometimes mm. be, be the, you know, a great trigger for recovery, which is why I love the dog um, yeah. Yeah. example. You yeah. Know? And um, by the way, finally, Terry, before you go, there's an awful lot of talk about this referendum. <laughs> and it was just Joseph mentioned their durable relationships. You know, they want yeah, to change yeah. the word family to durable relationships and women to yeah. carers and all sorts of things. Yeah. Um, can, I, can I ask you how you're going to be voting? Am I allowed to swear on your program? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what's um, a durable relationship? Me and me dog. I mean, is that a durable relationship? Yeah, I think, you know, I think sometimes it all goes a bit too far, you know. Um, but it was a bit, bit bizarre that Roderick O'Gorman is suggesting that if NGOs don't vote or don't campaign for a yes vote, that they have to give a detailed reason as to why. And I'm going, this is like blackmail. What? Yeah, it's a bit like Russia. <laughs> <laughs> no, for heaven's sakes, you know, it is, you know, actually, to be, like, to be honest with you, I don't think, uh, and, and I'm thinking of writing about this, I, I, I think the idea of a referendum uh, to ask, you know, to change, you know, the, the, the role of women in the home is a bit ridiculous. You know, it's a social norm now. We shouldn't, you know, basically we're, we're asking in a referendum if women can have a more equal part in Irish society, and I don't think that's right. It should just be given to them. I mean, I mean, we, we could, right? I mean they, they're, they're putting in the word carers instead, okay, instead of women, right? And yeah. my thinking on it is if you want to treat carers better, just legislate for it. You don't need to have a referendum about it. Just yeah, legislate for exactly, it. And give exactly. carers the money they deserve. Do you understand? Know exactly, yeah. And, and if you want to yeah. recognise other family units, like same-sex couples and all that kind of thing, just legislate for it. You don't have yeah, to change yeah, the constitution yeah. of Ireland. You don't have to, yeah. because I, I think what we're doing is, and, and even in a same-sex relationship, it's a family. It's still a family, yeah. inverted commas. Yeah. We're tearing Two away. Yeah, we're tearing away at the word family, which is a really important word, and it means an awful lot. And I, I think taking the word family out of the constitution, I think, is sinful. And I'm not I even religious. Yeah, you know no, what I mean? Ridiculous. But there yeah. you go. You know, it, it's. Um, I'm not allowed to say that on radio, by the way. Well, I'm allowed to say it at the moment, but 30 days before a referendum, I'm not allowed to say. <laughs> I'm not allowed to say that. <laughs> I have to be all impartial. <laughs> I, for me, you know, uh, and again, you know, it's connected to your, your topic today. Our values as individuals and a society are very important to us. Yeah. You know, what, what do we value, you know, and, and to be clear about what it is we value and what we hold mm. sacred to ourselves and, and what do we protect in our, our society and our communities. But you know, you know, you know what makes me really irate and what made me very irate yesterday and it got well, quite a bit of traction when I put it up on Twitter was 
as a radio broadcaster, I'm governed by what used to be formerly known as the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland. It's not anymore. Yeah. It's got a weird name now that I can't even pronounce. Anyway, so they, they instruct me that 30 days before a referendum, I must remain impartial and I must give yeah. equal uh, yeah. time to equal sides of the debate, which That's is fair. Right. And I and I completely understand and that. As a former radio, uh, radio manager, I understand all Absolutely. That. Yeah, and I appreciate well. that completely, right? So the government is tasked with giving the BAI the regulations to give me. Yeah. And yet the government, in the last three referendums, as far as I could see, have told the people how to vote, which I believe yeah. is completely wrong. I believe a government's duty and a responsibility in a referendum should be to give people the information on both sides. Here's the pros and the cons. Here's a leaflet. Here's what it means. You decide what you should do. Not tell you how to do it. There's all, the government's used all sorts of techniques. For example, um, with the uh, if you look at the referendum, uh, there was one where they, they added in, was it the marriage equality referendum, where they added in the whether or not to lower the age of somebody who could be a candidate for the presidency. Oh, that's and right. What, yeah, yeah, yeah. What tends to the strategy is if you want a yes vote in your um, in whatever it is you're, you want to happen, you have to provide a no option because people like to vote no. So you usually do something silly and provide a no option for people so they're more likely to vote yes on the thing that you want them to vote yes on. So oh, right, okay. governments are very good at manipulating us, you know, in terms of making us vote the way they want us to vote. Well, you should read the article about Roderick O'Gorman. I think it's very interesting. I'm, I'm, surprised, really I'm surprised he wasn't pulled up on it and told to retract yeah. what he said because more or less what it was was an underlying threat to NGOs financially yeah. that if you don't play ball with us, you know, we'll take and away know, your family. I know Roderick well because he... Um, I don't personally, but also he was, um, when I was at uh, Phoenix FM in Blanchardstown, he was a TD from there. Mm. And, you know, so I knew him from running in elections and he was very good to us in the station. And I'm surprised. I think he's a former uh, solicitor, isn't he? I, 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 I don't know, I couldn't I'm tell surprised, you. I'm um, yeah. surprised at him saying that. But it does, I think, you know, highlight how we're beginning to be uh, dictated to by our elected uh, our representatives um, mm. and, and manipulated, and that's a worrying, a very, very worrying trend. This wokeism is something I'm very, very concerned about. You know, yeah. groupthink and, and and people not really understanding what it is yeah. that they're agreeing to. Derek, thank you very much indeed for staying as long as you did. I owe you one big My time. My pleasure, and as I appreciate always. It. Thank you very much indeed. Not at all. Good luck anytime. Thanks, there you go. Good Thanks, luck. Derek. Bye bye. Uh, by the way, just to, as a quick note as well, um, for those of you who might be affected by what we were talking about today in the show, you can uh, contact the Samaritans. Their phone number is 116123. Or indeed, Pieta House, and it's 1-800-247-247. That's at Pieta House at 1-800-247-247. Thank you to everybody who got involved in today's show. Don't forget, by the way, continue to support the show if you can. We need your donations, please. And we need you to subscribe to our website, either one or the other, a one-off donation or subscribe to the website for both of those go to our website, www.nileboylan.com. Please don't leave it till tomorrow. Don't leave it till tonight. Do it now if you can. Why do you think of it, okay? Please go to the website and if you can, subscribe. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, that means you can watch all the videos of all the interviews we've ever done. Some of them which don't go out during the day. And, or if you just want to make a one-off donation, you can do it there. So please do it if you possibly can. The number as usual, by the way, or the website as usual, nileboylan.com. Don't forget, for everybody who subscribes or donates, you're in with a chance to win one of our mugs. And we've got the Nile Boylan Smug Mugs, and we give away one to one person every single day. We've got new mugs coming in today, by the way, which I'll tell you all about them tomorrow. They have a little bit of a, little bit of a spin on them for the referendum. All right. Until then, have a great day. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.
The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Podcast. Listen live on Facebook, YouTube, and all the usual live stream services. To get in touch, just WhatsApp or text 085-100-2255. The Niall Boylan Podcast. They told me to shut up. Available for download from all your usual platforms.